I mean, we've been saying this uh, for several, several weeks is, God believes in Proverbs 14, 28 that there's a multitude is the king's glory, but a lack of people is a prince's ruin, right? And we're, we're supposed to be believing God for a multitude in his kingdom. And so we're believing our first step here in this, in this body is, Lord, we want to believe you for a hundred adults in uh, this service, a hundred adults in this service. We have uh, probably over a hundred throughout the church and working and volunteering back in children's ministry and everything. But Lord, a hundred adults in this service every Sunday morning. And so I just want you to agree with me right now. Just say, Father, right now, we, we receive it, a hundred adults, a multitude, the beginning of a multitude in this service every Sunday morning. In the name of Jesus, amen, glory to God. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43 and verse 18 and 19. Maybe, just maybe, I'll get to the message I've been trying to preach to you for two months now. Amen. I got the notes in hand. I don't, I don't seek the Lord. I don't sense the Lord leading in any other direction. I think we're going to get there this morning. I believe. I believe. Amen. Tell your, turn to your neighbor and say this, say, Allo, governor. Allo, governor. A-L-O. Abide, listen, and obey. This, as you go into the word, you'll see this. Abide, listen, and obey. You see that this is commanded all the time. Abide, listen, and obey. And one of the things that, that uh, if we'll stay in that place of abiding in God, listening to him, and then obeying what he said, our life will just keep going up and up and up, and you will be the witness that God's called you to be. You will live that life. You can't do this properly and not be in God. But if you look at it, most of the time when we struggled, we've not been doing this. We've not been doing this. This is what will empower you even when the devil attacks. Abide, listen, and obey. I asked this question at the beginning of that series. Have you ever wanted life to just be simple? To just be simple. I've had multiple businesses over the years, and I can remember thinking once I started my first, uh, my first company, and uh, I started thinking, man, it sure would be nice if somebody would just tell me what to do again. Right? I don't have to make the decisions. I don't have to come up with solutions. Just tell me what to do. Take the widget and put it over here. Right? Take the widget. And it's like, have you ever wanted life to just be simple again? Right? And many times, people, this is what we have in Christ, but we have made it complicated. But if we'll just allo, abide, listen, and obey, it makes it simple again. All right? Have you, ever, have you ever wondered what he meant when he just said, just be concerned about today? That seems very simple, doesn't it? Well, just be concerned about, well, I can't just be concerned about today. No, there's tomorrow and next week and next month and, next, and my retirement and where are we going on vacation? And he said, just be concerned about today. Now, either he's lying, Jesus, or there's something else at work. How many, wanna, how many people think that maybe there's something else going on that we've not fully tapped into before, right? Have you ever felt messed up, a victim of your past? 
You don't have to raise your hands. Have you ever felt like your future was limited? And you, and you ever, you know, today's not looking so hot either, right? I've had all of those feelings before. But what I found is when I abide, listen, and obey, it starts to solve all of that. It starts to just solve it. Tell your neighbor again, hello, governor. And why, why am I having you say that? Put the aloe up on the screen if they got it. They abide, listen, and obey. Why am I telling you that? Because when you face a problem, what do I want to come out of your spirit? Hello, governor. I want you to hear it. I want you to hear. You know, it might be God speaking to you. You might hear my voice saying it. But I want the Holy Spirit to bring it back up to you. I just need right now in this moment, when I don't know what to do, I need to abide, listen, and obey. I need to abide. What do I need to do? Hello, governor. You know, and, and you, if you're married, you can tell your spouse, you know, golly, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay this bill? What about this doctor's report? What are we, I don't know, I don't know, you know, that's the way it goes in your kitchen sometimes. You know, I know I'm, I've been married for a few years. And uh, sometimes it sounds like that. Abide, listen, and obey. And out, out of at least one of you ought to go, hello, governor, right? And the other one, don't fuss at them when they say that, okay? Now, at that point, go, you're right. Hello, governor. Don't, don't get mad at them. That's, this is God talking through that person. I know you don't want God to speak through them at that moment when you're having the little, little discussion that's a little heated. You want to be the one that God speaks through, but when it comes out of their mouth, it's God speaking through them. Get in line with God. Don't fight God. Amen. Hello, governor. You need that to come out of you. When the pressure gets on you, what's inside of you is going to come out. Do you have the word? Do you have the power of God? Do you have his solutions? Abide, listen, and obey is his solution. I want you to see this. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says this. Do not call to mind the former things. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Now, see, when I'm, when I'm talking to people and counseling them on what to do and how to get out of the jam, so many times, what do they bring up to me? All the past. Well, I'm in this situation. I've got this detail and that detail. And, you know, it's like they're trying to convince me that Jesus can't fix it. Well, I got news for you. Jesus can fix it. Jesus already fixed it. Well, you don't know what the doctor told me. He already fixed that. We've seen it come to pass. Well, these creditors are calling. Hey, well, I don't, we're so upside down in our budget. Jesus can fix it. We got people in here upside down in their budget. Jesus can fix it. And what happens is when we've not really believed that, we go out and we start trying to fix it ourselves. We start trying to do everything to fix it ourselves. And one of the greatest moments that can ever happen to us is when all those things that we tried to use to fix ourselves don't actually happen. And we go, oh God, I just give up. I, I give it to you. And God's like, praise the Lord. Amen. He's like, it, I'm so glad because now I can actually work with you. What if just at the beginning we, we just said, Lord, I just give myself to you. Hello, governor. Abide, listen, and obey. What if we just did that at the beginning? There's, old, there's the old joke. It's like, 
Well, we've, we've, result, we've exhausted all of our resources. We don't know what to do. It's like, it's like I guess we, we just need to pray. And somebody goes, oh my gosh, has it come to that? It's like, how about if we just did that at the beginning? What if we just went there right at the beginning? Let's just go to God. You know, make him our source. You know, make him our savior, something crazy like that. I mean, it's crazy. How about that? But see, we've been taught by the world to fix it ourselves. We've been taught by the world to think through all this stuff. And so instead of abiding in him, listening and obeying, we go do everything we think we know to do first. We try to logic it out. We try to figure it out. We try to do that. And if we just go to him first, it'd be so easy. You know, there's like a verse in there. It's like, well, God never promised it'd be easy. Ah, He did. He did. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. He made the exact promise it'd be easy. If you'd come to him and do it his way. Now, it's the most amazing thing. This book right here has got so much wisdom in it. And it's not just a worldly wisdom. It's supernatural. It's heavenly. It's, it's godly wisdom just right here. Just right here. How is it that we go away from this God who knows everything, can see everything, and all of a sudden we go, I'm going to figure this out by myself. How is it we do that? Y'all are awfully quiet in here this morning. (laughs) Not laughing. Maybe the jokes aren't funny. I get that. I understand that, but you didn't have your warm-up? Yeah. You had like an hour of worship to warm up. It's always funny to me as a pastor how people get around holidays, travel, and vacation. They get, they get weird. They just, as a pastor, they just get weird. I get so happy when holidays are over because everybody just gets in a funk. It's like, it's like, I know you spent yesterday with your family. Just receive healing before Sunday morning, amen? (laughs) Receive some restoration of mind before Sunday morning. You don't have to walk in with that. Well, if you know, I I know Jesus. He's bigger than all that. He can fix it. If he'll fix it, you know, have you ever seen some of the people he'll help fix at church? (laughs) If he can fix them, he can fix you. He can help you. For sure. I mean, surely, surely you're not as weird as the other people he helps fix. Now I've just gone to meddling and messing with people. Like, okay, y'all going to be quiet. I'm just going to mess with you. Amen. Hello, governor. What if we just did it God's way from the beginning? Instead of trying to figure it all out, we just went to the guidebook that he gave us that's full of life, it's alive, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder soul and spirit. I was thinking this morning while we were worshiping, I've never seen a society that is so wrapped up in the soulish realm. So wrapped up, the soul... Every person is made up of three different parts, the spirit, soul, and body. The real you is the spirit man. 
The body is basically the earth suit, what you see in the mirror. But the soul, it's an interesting mix. It's a complicated mix, sort of. And it's the, the mind, the will, and the emotions. And I'm talking, I'm telling you the truth. This society is so wrapped up in the mind, will, and emotions, and that's the majority of their problem. If they could get out of their head, they would solve most of that stuff. If we would just allow and, and just abide in him and stop trying to figure it out, just let him who's already figured it out and wrote it, wrote it down, would just say, Lord, I'm going to do what you say. I'm just going to abide in you, listen to you, and obey. All of a sudden, things would just get so simple. It, it, and why am I telling you this? Because I've not done it. It's theory. No, this is exactly what we've done. We just decided to do this early on and found out later it was a really good thing to do. And it worked. God just, he just took us up out of the dung heap and lifted us up. Yeah. Lifted us up. We had plenty of problems. Plenty of problems. Physical, emotional, social, financial, plenty of problems. But if we abide, listen, and obey, God just takes us up. He says, he says in this verse, Stop looking at the things of the past. Many people feel limited by their past, who they are, where they, where they came from, what family they came out of. Well, last time I tried this, it didn't work. Does that mean it's not going to work this time? I tried, I tried to be in faith and I missed it. Well, okay, maybe there's something you need to grow. Humble yourself, ask some questions of somebody who's getting it right. Hebrews 6.12, put that up please real quick. Hebrews 6.12, it says... Follow, or another translation says, imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. So one of the things that you can do is you can find somebody who is constantly inheriting the promises of God. They're seeing healing flow through them, right? Just like what she said this morning. She started going into the Word. She started praising God and got healed. In the middle of the night, on her own, doing the exact same thing we say, tell other people to do, that's the kind of person you want to follow. Yeah. Now, if that just happened one time, okay, that's not necessarily... It, it says that's ongoing following, you're having fruit. You constantly see somebody with revelation, supernatural revelation. That's a biblical fruit. They're inheriting the promises of the wisdom of God that comes from abiding with them. You see somebody who's constantly walking in healing. Somebody who's, who's constantly um, being blessed and the blessings are manifesting in their life. They're seeing the fruit. They're winning souls. They're making disciples. They're in an intimate fellowship with God. That's what Hebrews says. You follow them. Do it like they do. Do it like they do. Follow them. Imitate them. You don't, you don't go follow some YouTube guru that just came on the scene two years ago and can't even uphold their character, and you don't know anything about them. Follow somebody who's had fruit, who's had fruit, who remains. That doesn't even mean you just go to every church. Look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. Is there, a, is there proof? of an intimate fellowship on the church and on the leaders of the church, the pastor. Is there fruit of that? Are they seeing people healed? Are they seeing them delivered? Are you seeing supernatural revelation? Are the people getting supernatural revelation? Are they actually walking in the fruit of the Spirit? 
Do they actually forgive or do they hold grudges? Do they actually love on people? You want to watch that stuff. And God says, when you find this fruit, that's who you follow. That's who you follow. And you want people that are carrying power. You don't want them without power. If they are not carrying the power of God, 2 Timothy 3.5, put that up please. It says in verse 1, in the last days, men will do this. And then this, there's a list. Verse 5 is one of those items in the list. It says in the last days, they'll have a form of godliness, but they've denied its power. Now, denied its power doesn't mean that they just disagree with it. It doesn't mean that they just don't... If they're not carrying the power, and it's not... They can say, I believe God can heal. If you're not carrying that, Mark 16 says, those that believe, not just pastors, but every believer, those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, they'll speak with new tongues. Right? So if you're not actually seeing the power of God release through that person and through those people, they on some level have denied it. And what does that verse say? Put that verse back up there. I didn't say it. What did God say about that? It says, avoid such men as these. You don't need pastors without power. You don't need need pastors without fruit. You find those people and you follow them. Let me tell you though, let me just give a disclaimer. You follow people with fruit and they will challenge your flesh. Your flesh is not going to like it. Ask Peter. You know, who do you say that I am? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God, Matthew 16. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you, Peter, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but our Father, which is in heaven, revealed this to you. And then like two verses later, get behind me, devil, right? He challenged his flesh. I mean, just two verses ahead. He's like being praised. Two verses later, he's being rebuked. Glory to God. Jesus, to the storm, peace be still. Oh, glory to God, we're alive. We're alive. We made it. Thank the Lord Jesus was here. Jesus, oh ye of little faith. Oh, dang it. We were just, we were on a high. Jesus, why would you have to bring in the rebuke? Because he's real. Love corrects those. Disciplines those that are loved by him. So you find people that are actually walking in biblical fruit. They're not going to let you keep coddling the flesh and setting it to the side and be like, oh my precious, I like, I like this comfort and everything. No, a real leader in Christ, they're going to challenge you. They're going to challenge you. Let me just, people that are normally here at Boomerang, you've been here for a while, how many of y'all have been challenged in your flesh? Amen. Look how happy this makes me. It's, you're going to be challenged. Why? Because you're supposed to have already crucified the flesh. Why is it a challenge if it's not crucified? If it's been crucified, it shouldn't be a challenge to you. Not my fault. He already commanded you to crucify it. I'm just proving out what you say you are. I told you I was meddling. I'm all up in your business now. 
All the guests, welcome to Boomerang. Hallelujah. <laughs> like everybody here, they're like, yep, this is this Boomerang. This is a real deal right here. I know other churches don't necessarily give this and dish this out. That's the problem. That's the problem. We're not here. You know, this is not, this is not a place to come in and like, oh, your flesh is going to love it. We literally have shirts designed right now that says, my flesh, that corrupted flesh, hates my church. Like, it, it's legit. Why? Because your flesh, the flesh and the spirit are always at war. Scripture says that. If you have a church that's actually flowing by the Holy Ghost, your flesh ain't going to like things there. But if we go back and we just abide in Christ, everything simplifies. But when you abide in Christ, your flesh is going to be challenged. I'm just telling you up front. Because people are like, oh, I felt the Holy Ghost today. I'm going to go and abide in Christ and be all holy and everything and think that God's not going to check them when they lay on their horn in traffic. What? You wasted a second of my life. How dare you? Jesus is going to check that. <laughs> that is not a fruit of the Spirit. Well, that person, when I came in there to church, you know, not everybody welcomed me with warm and flowery welcomes. Well, get over yourself. Well, when I came in that church, they wouldn't leave me alone. Everybody told me they were so happy. I just wanted to go in and be left alone. Well, get over yourself. I mean, basically, what the devil has deceived people into is that nobody can do anything without somebody getting offended. Have we lost our minds? In the first few centuries, they killed the Christians, threw them to the lions. And they would not reject their faith. People will completely reject the planting of the Lord because somebody said something bad to them. I didn't like how that happened. Get over yourself. I'm not even going to try to look at anybody. Get over yourself. Like I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking in general. If it fits, put it on. I was saying, she put, she put something on Facebook the other day. She put a post up, and I'm thinking, oh gosh, somebody's going through this right now and everything. She's just talking in general language. But you know... What is, they're talking about me. We're not thinking about you. We're just giving godly advice. <laughs> it's just godly, okay? We got enough stuff. I'm not even worrying about you in tomorrow. That's what the Word says. I'm just telling what the Lord said to say today. If it fits you, not my problem, not my fault. It's me every Sunday. That's why sometimes I'll be like, I ain't looking. I'm not looking at anybody. Don't have anybody in mind. I'm just preaching general by the Holy Ghost. Ask me after. I won't even remember what I said. Just flowing. I'm not flowing out of the soul, the mind, will, and emotions. I'm giving you by the Holy Ghost what he's telling to say. If he's in your business, that's God. Blame him. Talk to him. Talk to him. 
Isaiah 43, 18, Don't call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. 19, Behold! Behold! It's meant to get your attention. Look! But it, he, King James defined it. Behold. <laughs> Behold. I will do something new. Amen. How about God do something new in your life? Anybody would receive, Lord, I need something new in my life. I'm telling you right now how to do it. I'm getting into, I'm going to jump into that right now. How you get something new in your life. Amen. And watch this. Behold, I will do something new. Watch this. You got a promise right here. Now it will spring forth. Now what does that take on our behalf? That takes faith. It's not happening 20 years down the road. It's not happening sometime next year. No. Now. Now faith. Lord, I knew is happening to me now. That's a good statement. Lord, something new. I'm beholden. Something new is happening to me now. Now it will spring forth. Watch his next question. His next question. Will you not be aware of it? Will you not be aware of it? See, a lot of times God's made a promise. God's laid it out. It's all sitting there. But, but we're just like waiting for God to zap us with his goodness. You know? It is like if Mark needed something and he needed something in his life, he's like, oh yeah, God is good. I know he'll do it in his time. I know he'll do it in his time. I know he will. I know he will. And what he, you know, it's like, what are we waiting on? We're waiting on God to come and go, Mark, I now see you. God, bring the blessing. Leave blessed. Listen. God's already seen you. And he says, behold, I'll do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? See, that takes faith. You've got to say, I take that. A believer, we had a series a while back. A believer is a taker. Because it says, if you're going to have the God kind of faith, in Mark 11 it says, believe that you have received. That means that you take hold of it. You take possession of it. You take it. So when you have a promise from God, you don't do this with something you don't have a promise on. You know, don't go take a possession of a Mercedes that God ain't giving you a promise nor the money for. <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. But if he's told you I'm your healer, which he pronounced to the whole world, whose healer is he? Everybody. Anybody who wants it. It's available, it's sitting there. Why? Because he said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. It said, by his stripes we were healed, right? Already done. On that cross, he bore our sins and our sicknesses. He says that the curse has every sickness and disease named or unnamed in Galatians 3. We, every believer, is redeemed from the curse. If you want access to it, all you have to do is be a child of God and you can for sure have access to it because he says that healing is the children's bread. And he makes us this promise, I'll give you fresh daily bread every day. That means we can walk in healing every day. Just take your healing right now. But see, a believer is a taker. It doesn't just wait for God to go, oh, now I see you have a problem. It has come to my attention. No, he already knows all that. He's done something about it. You know, you're not waiting for God to come grab a hold of you and zap you with healing. He's waiting on you to grab a hold of what he's already done. What he's already done. Abide, 
He says, behold. Abide, listen, and obey. Behold. He says, I will do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware, aware of it? He says, well, you know, think about this. Well, I just, I'm in a wilderness, Lord. I just don't know how I got here and everything. He said, I'll make a way in the wilderness. Amen. You're in a tangled up mess? He's got a Holy Ghost machete. Amen. Amen. He'll clear the weeds out. He'll clear it out. He's like, I'll make a new path just for you. He already sees. See, these have, how, many, how long has this scripture been sitting here in the Bible? What, what year was Isaiah written? <laughs> Good answer. She just taught Old Testament survey in, in the in the Impact University. I was hoping she'd just know the answer right off like that. 700 B.C. This has been written 2,700 years, this promise has been available to the people of God. How in the world have we not taken hold of it yet? It's waiting on us. We're not waiting on God. It's waiting on us. And see, faith says, I'm going to take hold of that. I'm going to grab hold of that. I'm going to make it mine today. He says, will you not be aware of it? Well, it's just a complicated mess. That's a wilderness. He says, I'll make a roadway there. I'll clear it out. See, you don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. That's what R.W. Schambach said all the time. You don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. When you start putting faith on God, you know who He is, you know what He's promised, then you take possession of it with your faith. You step into it. But don't go making up your own ways of doing it. That's not the easy and light way. How many people, you don't have to raise your hand, but just, just figuratively, you've tried to do it your own way and found out that wasn't as easy, right? It got more complicated. Me too. Much easier just to follow God. He says, I will not only will I make a roadway in the desert, I'll make rivers in the desert. Wherever you are, I'll bring in such a supply of the everlasting life of the water of God, the water that overflows from the throne room. I'll bring it. I've got it set up right now. That's what they did when they fed the 5,000. There was a river in the desert that could not be seen with natural eyes. But Jesus knew it was there. Jesus knew, behold, I do something new. He just, with his faith, reached up into that river and pulled down a feeding of the 5,000. Lord, bless these uh, these five loaves and two fish, and 5,000 people were fit. How about we just start doing that with our own life? Stop waiting on the pastor to call us out. Stop doing all of that. We just say, Lord, I see your promise. I see it for me, and by faith, I take hold of it today. Lord, you don't have to, you don't have to ask me, will I be aware of it? I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it. And I'm proactively, with my faith, taking hold of it. Hello, Governor. Matthew 6, 34. So do not worry about tomorrow. What? Think about that. Just just think, just for a second. How much of our worry and anxiety is wrapped up in thinking about things to come? Like all of it. Like all of it. Every bit of it. Let me me just tell you something, because I want to share this with you. If you would, put up Hebrews 12, 11 real quick. I want to I help, help some folks. Hebrews 12, 11. 
It says, all discipline for the moment seems to not be joyful. Now, he's talking about our flesh man. Your spirit man enjoys that discipline if it's born again. But your flesh man really doesn't like to be disciplined. And this is what happens when you come into a real church. The anointing will start putting its finger directly on that thing in your life that needs the thinking changed on. And it doesn't feel good. And that's what most people walk out of a church and say, well, they were judging me. No, the anointing was judging you. And it found you lacking. Now that now you have a decision. Humble yourself and receive the salvation and the help or fight it and go against God and it's going to be hard. But the anointing of God, when you get into a church that's really flowing in the anointing, the anointing brings with it love and that love is going to discipline. It says, now watch this, all discipline for the moment seems to not be joyful and even sorrowful, yet to those who have been trained by that discipline. In other words, they said, Lord, I give myself to you. I don't necessarily think this way or like this way, but I can see it's in your word. I trust you and I take you at your word. And it says, afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. How many people would like peace? then you give yourself to the discipline of the Lord. You don't run from it. You don't fight it. You say, you realize he knows so much more than me. And Lord, I I give myself to you. I'm, I'm giving you some keys to help turn life around and make it better. And when you do this stuff, how many people you've ever had the discipline of the Lord on you and like you didn't want to do it, but then all of a sudden you actually just said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. And life just was so much easier. And all the time. All the time. This is it. But now you, you can see what happens if you, if you haven't crucified that flesh, you come into a real church. Well, I don't like that church. I don't like that church. He didn't make me feel good. No kidding. That's scriptural. You actually just quoted scripture. No, that, that anointing is coming and trying to help you. Trying to help you. You know, it's like, you know, uh, my kids love it when they get a cat scratch or scrape or get some kind of open wound. I'm like, bring out the alcohol. They're like, oh, no. I see the blood drain from their face, like, run away. You know, like that. Why? Because what's going to happen? That alcohol is going to kill the germs, and that's what my dad did, so you know it works, you know. And, uh, you know, well, can we do the peroxide? Sure, do the peroxide. Fine, no, whatever. And, uh, but we're cleaning that out. We're not leaving the germs there. Yeah. And, and we all know as adults, hopefully, I don't know, society's, <laughs> I don't know, society's been really funny recently. Hopefully we know that that's the right thing to do. Now, how is it we can know that about a cut on our skin, but we don't understand that spiritually? That's maybe a connection we need to make again. Amen. Right? And, and so God will bring you in, you know, it's kind of like if you had that cut, you know, if you had that cut on your shoulder, it's like the alcohol, and I went to go help you but to get all the germs out of it so it wouldn't get infected and cause you future problems, you know, and cut your arm off. Amen. That was a little drastic, but anyway. <laughs> you would take alcohol or some kind of cleansing agent and put it right there, and how's it going to feel? Yucky. That's that's a good 2022 term. 
I am so messing with y'all this morning. <laughs> it made me feel yucky. All right. <laughs> Hold on. Lord, that might have been me and not you. I repent right now. Amen. Glory to God. I receive your forgiveness. All right. <laughs> now you're good. You're good. That's pretty normal in this place, so you're, you're all right. It, well, we, we come into church, and we've got these cuts and these things that are hurting us. And the, what's, what, God loves you. What's he going to do? Hey, like, this, this might hurt a little bit, but this needs fixing. And he's going to help highlight that area to you by his anointing touching that area. And it might hurt. It, it might hurt your flesh. That's what that scripture just said. But if you'll give yourself to his love, it'll get all fixed up and made like new, and you won't have that problem anymore. But you've got to yield in that humility towards him. This is real, real stuff. Real stuff. But see, we get, remember what I said earlier? The society is so in the soul, the mind, will, and emotion. They're just like, well, I just didn't like how it felt. Like, get out of your mind. What's the Spirit of God saying? Not, not what your mind is saying. What's the Spirit of God saying for us to do? Stop trying to figure it all out. Abide, listen, and obey. It starts solving things. And you'll find, I'm telling you, life is so easy now compared to what it used to be. It was so hard and heavy and tedious and everything. Now we're just having fun. There's moments where there's challenges and, you know, people do crazy stuff and all of that. Okay, fine, but does that remove us from God's love? No, Romans 8 says, what can remove us from God's love? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing can remove us from His love. If I'm, if I'm in His love, what do I have to fear? Perfect love casts out all fear. If I come into His love, I don't have anything to fear. It's going to be okay. Well, this seems crazy. This is an absolute problem. There's no way out, pastor. It's going to be okay, congregate. What do you mean it's going to be okay? It's like God's that big. Why are we doubting that? You think he can't figure it out? You think this took him by surprise? We just, see, that's the thing. We don't know him. We don't have a revelation of him. And we're operating on these, these soulish, emotional logical levels thinking that that's going to solve our problem. God's already solved it all. Why rewrite the book? You know, people are trying to rewrite it today. We don't need that book. We don't need this and everything. No, that's a holy, supernatural book. It's a supernatural book. I'm not getting far in my notes. Y'all need to add, add faith that we get through this message. Amen. He says, Matthew 6, 34, So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And watch this. You'll never be able to repair the past on your own. You can't build your future by yourself either. And today holds no promise without God. In other words, we need Him involved in our past, we need him involved in today, and we need him involved in the future. And this is why we abide, and he told us, don't worry about the past. He told us, don't figure out the future. What did he tell us? Live in today. Abide, listen, and obey. 
You know, he's the beautiful thing about God is he's the restorer of our past, our present. He's our ever-present help. And he's the builder of our future. He's got all this stuff worked out. He's got it all figured out. All we have to do is abide in him today. You see, if you can't abide in today because of what you're facing in the future, what that shows is that I have no faith for God to be there in the future, so I need to figure it out, and I need to be the source. Two questions you can write down that will really simplify many things. The Lord gave these to me years ago is, who is the source and who gets the glory? If God's not the answer of that, you're on the wrong track. Who's the source and who gets the glory? Well, I'm studying about healing, okay? Who are you studying? Who wrote about it? Are they going back to God? Is God the source of what they're saying in that book? Or is it their logic? You know, when you go, you're reading other books is fine, but watch it when, when somebody who's writing a book, quote-unquote, about God, gets all into their logic and not in the Scripture. Because as soon as they get into logic, you are limited to what their logic can do. But when you get into Scripture, you're, you're unlimited because God's the source of that. And so a book needs to be pointing to Scripture. It can pull out and show you things in Scripture, but it needs to be about that. Watch getting into, there's a whole bunch of quote-unquote Christian music, Christian books, everything, and it's all emotion. I won't even turn on the Christian radio. I don't even turn it on. Why? It's all emotion. They're selling records by emotion the same way the world does. You know, there was a popular song a few years ago. Oh, Lord, can you hear me? Are you kidding? You think God can't hear you? And it was one of the most popular songs ever. It's like, there's so much emotion. They're sell- what they're selling is, I know that feeling, and I, I relate to that feeling, so this song makes me feel comfortable in my flesh. They're selling the mind, will, and emotion, calling it Christian. It has nothing to do with the promises in that book. And then all of a sudden, we listen to it, listen to it, listen to it, and then we get challenged and attacked by the devil in our flesh, and then we try to put on faith, but we've been listening to faithless songs. And what comes out of us is what we're full of. And we think it's faith, but it's not actually faith. And then we go, oh God, can you even hear me? Are you even listening? How disrespectful. But it all came because we sowed the wrong seeds in our mind. And it wasn't based on the word. It's based off of somebody else's logic and emotion calling themselves Christian in that moment. But they're not following Christ. They're following their emotions. The devil knows all of this. He's very good at setting up these deceptions. Calling it Christian. Don't just because somebody calls it Christian doesn't mean they're Christian. Just because somebody puts church on the door doesn't mean it's a church. It doesn't mean that. Well, they just make me feel good and they have such good points. That's exactly what God said watch out for when they tickle your ears. Especially in the last days. You want somebody who will challenge you that will bring you to fruitfulness. If if you want to look at that, go to John chapter 15 and just read through there what it talks about fruit and our need for it, the necessity for it. It It is sobering. We need fruit. Abide, listen, and obey. Let me, let me show you some things about these three things, and we'll wrap up. 
See, everybody, all the guests are like, what did that mean? What, are, what does that mean? We'll wrap up when the Holy Ghost says to wrap up. Generally, for everybody who doesn't know, generally we'll finish sometime around 1230 or 1, but amen. If you were trying to get out by 12, I'm so, act like you're going to go to the bathroom and then just go ahead. I'm not being rude, I'm just giving you a way out. So, amen. If you get up, I'll just look the other way and pretend like I don't see you. We're here for the Lord. I'm challenging your flesh. I'm growing your flesh. Why am I doing this? Because you've got a real pastor standing in front of you. And the Lord challenged me several years ago. He said, did I call you to raise up people like Christ? who do not follow the flesh but follow the Spirit? Or did I call you to raise up a people who live by the flesh and coddle their flesh? And I went, you know, life, if you go to Romans chapter 8, life is in having a mindset on the Spirit, not a mindset on the flesh. He said, if you keep catering to all of the world's whims, you people are coming in because of good coffee and donuts and their kids love it and they're comfortable and you get out by noon all the time, all you're doing is you're just pressing the button on their flesh and that's why they're coming, but they're not growing. You're teaching them actually to be led by their corrupted flesh and not by the Spirit of God. And I went, well, as a pastor, now I've got a response. When the Lord talks to you that directly, I've got a responsibility. Now that means that people that are living by their flesh, they're not going to like me. Well... They didn't like Jesus either. I get that. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just saying, what are we doing? Why are we even in church? If we're not trying to grow in God and be eternal-minded and advance the kingdom of God, what are we doing? What are we doing? Isn't that why we're supposed to be here? Well, I'm here uh, to be served. Well, if you get in the kingdom of God, you're supposed to learn very quickly that you are there to serve. God will serve you and God will give to you. But we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness first, and then God gives all things, all things will be added to you. Our heart should be, Lord, I'm yours. You're the Lord of my life. I give you me. That's what a Christian is. See, that's actually not what a lot of people think. You can even go to people that go to church on a regular basis. Why are you going to heaven? Well, I do good things. That's not how you get to heaven. You might find yourself in hell. Now, you get to heaven by making Jesus the Lord of your life, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. You're the director. Jesus, whatever you say, I will do. What did he say? He said, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, he said, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you as somebody who actually lived Lord. Now, see, this is, this is the kind of things that need to be preached in church and stop being held back because when you get a milquetoast preacher not talking about these things, you got people that are comfortable in their flesh, and in eternity they might not be comfortable, and it'll come back on that preacher's head. Not coming on this preacher's head. And not coming on this body. Well, you have guests. You need to talk to them nice. I am. I'm giving them the love of God. I am. Amen. That's what love does. We've already discussed that. Well, that doesn't feel like any church I've ever been in. Were you in a church? 
what what did y'all stir up this past week? Like the Holy Ghost got me going in a direction. Like what is what? Man, Amen. It's Christmas. Let's just talk about Christmas. I am. He brought you something, but it has to be received. It has to be received and walked in. It has to be received. You have to humble yourself to it. There's a promise that's waiting on each one of us. Look, look at this. Abide, listen, and obey. Abide in the, in the original language in the Hebrew, it says to dwell in, to lodge, rest, endure, and pass the night. In other words, you will make it through. If we will seek to abide in God, part of abiding is knowing that I'm safe in Him. So, see, we can say, well, I'm just going to go and abide in God, and, I'm, what, you know, and we go and try and pray and everything, but the whole time that we're sitting there on our knees in prayer, or we're reading through the Bible, or we're worshiping Him, we're not actually choosing to rest in Him, we're just there like, God, I hope this works. Well, if you get to that place, that's not actually abiding. Abiding is actually taking a step and saying, I'm in you and I can rest in you. Everything's going to be okay. You are always leading me to triumph. 2 Corinthians 2.14. You're leading me to triumph. And abiding in him is a move and an action of faith. I rest in you. It's going to be okay. So somebody brings up a problem to me. Pastor, I'm, I'm worried. I say, it's going to be okay. And then they kind of they lose it. Like, no, it's not going to be okay because the doctor said this and the doctor said that and the doctor said that. So they look immediately, as soon as I tell you it's going to be okay, and open up abiding, you literally slam the door of abiding because now you're not resting in that place. It's in his rest that all that stuff's going to be okay, not in your logical fight over it or your feelings over it. It's actually choosing to rest in Him. But notice that abiding, when He gave us the promise of abiding, He gave us the promise of a place of rest. He gave us the promise of a place where we could pass the night, get through the night. It says, it says in the Greek, it says this, to remain. Let me just tell you, if you'll abide in Him, you will remain. You will remain. If you'll abide in Him... You will remain. You will remain. The devil may have a thousand weapons formed against you, but they shall not prosper against you. You will remain if you abide in him. If you abide. If you will abide. It says in the Greek, to be held. To be held. You know, one of, one of the things I know as a, as a kid, one of the safest places I could ever be is in my dad's arms. In my dad's arms. When he held me, I knew I was in a good place. I was held. Oh, like my dad carried a blessing on that. But our Heavenly Father carries a blessing even more than that. We are held in Him. We are held in Him. It says this, to be kept continually. See, when we step into a... It aren't, isn't abiding our responsibility... And when we step into abiding, we're stepping into the promise that he said was there to be kept, to be held. The, the rest of the definition says this, to be kept continually. So we can't step into abiding if we don't believe that we're actually going to be kept. 
We've got to step in knowing as I step into this place, God, you will be God. You will be my Lord. It means not to perish. I will not perish in you. I have my fullness of life. I take hold of it with my faith now. I take hold of who you are, your character, your nature. You declared yourself my healer. I take hold of that. You declared yourself my provider. I take hold of that. I'm kept in you. You see, uh, uh, to abide is a promise to us, but it's also a command to remain in, to wait and serve on the Lord, serve the Lord. You know, when I abide in the Lord, I'm not just there to receive, I'm there to serve. How can I serve you? What can I pray about today, Lord? What, what, Lord, I just worship you. I praise you. I just give you the glory and the honor. Watch this, John 15, 4 and verse, 4 and verse 7. Abide in me and I in you. A branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Unless it abides in the vine. If we don't abide in Him, we're not going to have the fruit that we need. We've got to get back to this abiding, this intimate fellowship with God. So neither can you unless you abide in me. John 15, 4. John 15, 7. Watch this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But can you see how I've already described it? There's some people that think that they're abiding, but they're not really abiding. They're spending time, but they're not abiding in God. And this becomes a problem. This comes back down to the reality of how we're living, the reality of what we believe and what our faith is in. We've got to challenge that and stop just going with what what the world says is normal, even what the church world. What does the Scripture say? What does the Bible teach us about this? Let's not, let's not put on a facade and put on a masquerade, but let's judge ourselves so that we're not judged. If I abide in Him, I'm trusting Him. If I abide in Him, I know that I'm okay in His arms. I know that I'm okay in His arms. And we get to that place of abiding. He says, he says abide in me. Ask whatever you wish and it'll be granted to you. What a promise! I don't know about y'all, but I've read that before, and then I'm like, I try to go, I spend, you know, I go in my little prayer time in the morning, I'm praying, I'm worshiping and everything, and then I come out of that, I'm like, Lord, just give me that Lamborghini. And all of a sudden, <laughs> we, what do we want? We, and then it doesn't happen. Why? Because the truth was, we didn't really abide. See, if you're not getting what you're asking for, something's not right in the abiding. But yet the promise for every believer is abide in me. See, when you actually really start abiding in Christ, you don't ask stuff like that. You don't, you don't just go out and ask some crazy thing that God hadn't spoken to you. Now, if He spoke it to you, and He will, He's done that. He will do that. I, it, God doesn't mind you having the crazy car, the what, whatever it is. He doesn't mind it, but He does mind if it has you. He minds that. Because it's not supposed to be Lord. He's supposed to be Lord. And so, but when you're abiding in Him, you don't ask that stuff from the flesh. Abiding in Him, you're asking things from the Spirit. And when you ask those things and you're abiding in Him, it happens. That's why you want to follow someone who's seeing the promises of God manifested. They know how to abide. They know what to ask for. They know when to ask for it. You, You start to realize those things. You start to know those things. Then you see this. 
It says, Acts 17, 28, For in Him we live and move and have our being. We live and move and have our being. Everything we need to come into being comes into being where? In Him. In Him. Every place. Watch this. The Word says this. We have a slide on this. What do we abide in? These are, these are scriptures that tell us what to abide in. We abide in Jesus. We abide in the Word. We abide in His teaching. We abide in His commandments. We abide in faith. We abide in hope. We abide in love. We abide in the Father and the Son and the anointing and the Holy Ghost. We abide. You can see all the scriptures here. Take a picture if you need to. All of these scriptures, these are the things that we are called to abide in. Watch, watch this though. How do we know that we're abiding? How do we know that we're abiding? 1 John 2, 5 and 6. 1 John 2, 5 and 6. Watch this because, man, this will check your flesh so quick. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. If you keep his word. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he's abide, he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner in which he walked. So we can't say we're abiding in him but then not acting like Jesus and walking like Jesus did. We've got to be walking like Him. When we walk like Him, here's a, here's a good thing. When you abide in Christ properly, you will walk like Him. And when you're walking with Him, you'll like Him, you'll know that you're abiding in Him. So many times people will think, well, I'm just spending some time, I'm abiding in the Lord and doing this. But are you walking like Him? I remember one time early on in, in church, I remember there was, a, there was a person that came, and they told me this. They said, every morning, I spend three to four hours reading this Bible. And I believed them. Like, I don't think that they were lying. They said, every morning, I spend three to four hours reading this Bible. Well, that sounds good. That person would have thought that they were abiding in Christ. I watched that person be so spiritually bankrupt. I mean, you could tell. Remember? You could tell. They were like, they had problems. They had issues. But they thought they were good. And then one day I was in a meeting, and honestly, I would say the most cruel speech I've ever heard come out of somebody's mouth towards somebody else came out of this person's mouth. They weren't walking like Jesus. They weren't walking in the fruit of Christ. But if you'd ask them, they'd have said, for sure, I'm abiding in Christ because I read the Word every day. You know, the Pharisees read the Word too, and they crucified Christ. See, we've got we've to check that. It's not just our intentions that are important. It's the fruit. It's the fruit. The most cruel thing I've ever seen out of somebody that read their, read their Bible three to four hours every morning. How is that possible? They're reading it, but they're not really abiding and they're not letting the Word change them, check them. They're not really, they're, they're going in and reading it, and really what they're doing is they're getting the pat on the back for the length of time that they're in the Word, but they're not saying, Lord, how does this need to change me today? So they're abiding, but they're not listening. 
When we listen, John 10, 27, 28 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep. You know, if you want to listen to God, you've got to become one of his sheep. You've got to become one of his kids. They, they listen and they follow. He says, I give eternal life to my sheep who listen and follow me. I give them eternal life. That's a huge promise. He says, and they will never perish. They'll never perish. Then he goes on to say, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. But what's one of the keys? Not just that they're sheep, but that they listen. They listen. These promises are attached to actual abiding and actual listening, and it simplifies everything, but we've got to get real with it. He said this. He he says, no one will snatch them out of my hand, but Hebrews 3.15 says this. He was talking about the Israelites in the desert, and he said this. He said, while it said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. And the reason is, the Israelites heard the voice of the Lord that God would be their Savior and He would be their provider and they would move into a promised land. But when they set their eyes on the promised land, they listened to the wrong report, the worldly report, the corrupted report, and they didn't take the Word of God and mingle it with faith. And so although they heard the words that He said, they didn't hear with their heart the promise of God and the power of God. Can you see, like even this teaching today is so foreign in, a, in the American church as a whole. I mean, it's, it's out there, there's people that are preaching, but this is so foreign. This is not a reality of my life is given to him. We're disciples, we're, we're his, he's my Lord. It's so foreign And we've got churches that are just patting people on the back instead of challenging them to be who they're created to be in Christ. Rise up to be that son of God, that child of God. Walk like him, talk like him, lay hands and see people healed. Not just pastors, everyone who's hearing it. This is the call where God's saying, you have a destiny inside of you, but you can't get to that destiny by playing games. You've got to get real, put the flesh down, and be who God's called you to be. Most people, most people don't want that kind of preaching because there's responsibility in that. You know, I, I look at it, I say, I don't want one person to be harmed or not see the power of God. I want to I get myself to the, to the place where those things just don't happen around me. Carrying the glory of God. But that should be the cry for every believer. Let, let the glory be on me so strong that just like Peter, it's overflowing into the streets. And I walk down the aisle at the grocery store and somebody gets a healing on them because I'm walking like Christ. Yeah. Is that just for the pastors? No, he said, those, Mark 16, those that believe. But in order to get to that place, we've, we've got to back up from what we think is right. I think one of the most interesting things with heaven that we're going to, when we see things for as they are, it's kind of like, you remember uh, Elijah's servants? Where the city surrounded, y'all were talking about this week, the city surrounded, and then all of a sudden, he, he's not worried, Elijah's not worried. And he says, Lord, open his eyes. Oh, there was a reality that he wasn't aware of. 
And I think when we get to heaven, we're going to see such a reality of God, who we thought was this big, is actually this big. And, and who we could have been, we thought we could be this big, and we actually could have been that big. And we're going to see that and be like, oh my gosh, why didn't we go after him? And we, I don't want you to be filled with regret in that moment when you get revelation. Because if you read that word, it's in there. It's in there. It's like the old ragu commercial. Put your nose to the jar, it's in there. I just dated myself, I understand. It's in there. All these promises are in there. What is it that's taking, you know, what is it that's taken us so long to pull them out and to be like the glorious church that God's called us to be? He says this. He says, don't harden your hearts because they heard the word with their ears, but they didn't hear that word with their heart. Their heart, see, that word came into their mind, into their ears, but hit their heart and was blocked. It was blocked at their heart because their heart was not trusting of God. They had allowed too much of the world and the corruption of Egypt to get into them and they became untrusting. And it's time for the people of God to move back into faith. I mean, a bold, heavenly faith. A confidence, a joy. He says, I'm the God of hope. And he says, I want you to be filled with all hope. And biblical hope is not luck. It's joy, confidence, and expectation. God has literally made available everything that we need to constantly walk in the fullness of joy, the fullness of confidence, and the fullness of an expectation, expecting these things to happen. Some of you, that expectation is going to get met right here this morning. Like, Lord, what are you going to do today? I'm expecting you to do something. Lord, I'll take hold of it. With my faith, that word, that promise is not coming in my ears and stopping at my heart. No, my heart receives the seed of the word. And it will come to fruit. It will come to fruit. They had hardened their hearts though. Hebrews 4.2 For indeed, we have had good news preached to us just as they did also. But the word did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. So when we abide, it needs to be a real abiding. And when we listen, it needs to be a real listening, where we're not going, golly. You remember, you remember when John the Baptist's dad received the news about John the Baptist? Zechariah? And he, and he basically said the same thing that Mary said. How are these things going to be? And then Mary says, how's this going to be? And, and Zechariah gets shut down and made mute. But Mary's like, blessed art thou amongst women. You know, you're so good and faithful. And Zechariah's like, what's the matter with you? They basically said the same thing. They both heard with their ears. One heard with their heart. And if you look at the original language, here's what it says. Zechariah, when he said, how is this going to be? It was in negative, it was in no expectation, it was in no faith, it wasn't mingled with faith. But when Mary said it, she went, how is this going to be? And she received, God's going to do this, I don't know how, but it's going to be awesome. 
And, and the angel and God was basically like, Zechariah, you can't talk, because if you talk beyond this point, you're probably going to mess this all up. And this has got to come to pass. So it all depends. You can hear it with your ears, but the question is, do you hear it with a faithful heart? we got to be the people that abide. Allo, abide, listen with a faith. Listen with a faith. Lord, I receive from you today. This word, if you go back to that Hebrews verse, it says today. It says, while it's called today, there remains a promise of the Sabbath rest of God. That means any person in here can say, Lord, today is called today, and you're calling me today to abide in you. I hear your promise. I step into the rest of God, and I have it. I have it. Glory to God, I've got it. Any person can do that as long as it's called today. And actually step into the presence of God where his anointing just starts going to work. Healing, delivering, prospering, overcoming. It's time for the people of faith to be a people of faith. Then we have to obey. As we abide in him and we listen, he's going to say, do this. Don't do this. And it's time for us to say yes. But not just do it just out of simple obedience in that way only, but do it with an expectation. Do it with a faith. I know things are about to change. Many of you, that's what happens on Sunday morning. I call you up for prayer, and all of a sudden you come up for prayer, and you're stepping up here, and you're not just saying, okay, pastor called us prayer, so I'm going to go up for prayer. No, you're stepping up here, and you're like, when I get hands laid on me, in the name of Jesus, the power of God is going to flow into my life today. And there's an expectation, there's an obedience with an expectation of faith. It's a boldness because I know who God is. It's a boldness because I know He loves me, He's got great plans for me. It's a boldness in Him. This is who He is. He wishes that none would perish. None. It's a boldness in Him. He wants you to have a full and satisfied life. A full and satisfied life. Jeremiah 7, 23. But this is what I commanded them saying, Obey my voice and I will be your God. Obey. I will be your God. You will be my people. And you will walk in all the way which I command you. That it may be well with you. God wants you, there's three steps to being well in every area of life. Abide, listen, and obey, and it'll be well. Abide, listen, and obey, and he'll fix what needs fixing in the past. He'll build what needs building in the future. And he'll bring the blessing that needs blessing today. Thank you, Father. So It'll be well, well, well in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It'll be well. Say this with me. Say, Lord, I see it. It will be well with me. I abide, listen, and obey, and it shall be well. Hebrews 5, 9. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey. All those who obey Him, the source of eternal salvation.
Who did he become? The source of eternal salvation. He saves you in everything all the time to those who abide and obey. And obey. And obey. 1 John 2, 5 and 6. But We said this before, but whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner that he walked. We, we obey. We walk like him. We talk like him. We have the fruit like him. Abide, listen, and obey. We may not have had what we need and we may not be bringing 100% to the table all on our own. But when we abide, listen, and obey, we are one with God and he brings 100% so that we are not short. We may not have abided in the past well and we might have messed it up. But he will tell us today the things that we need to restore them and redeem the time as we abide with him. We may not know what to do today, but in abiding with him in an intimate fellowship, he will disclose and show us all things that we need. And we may have limited our future, but he will show us the things to come, and he will build our future supernaturally as we abide, listen, and obey. All of this starts with an abiding. A real, heartfelt abiding where we're walking in the fellowship with God like never before. Not just just we spend time. I can pay time or I can abide. They're different. I'm not paying time. I'm abiding with my Father. I'm not just paying time. I'm actually doing something there. I'm receiving from Him. I'm giving something to Him. And I got my heart open. I'm not just making a payment. I've said this many times before. The Lord checked me. He said, your faith is not a payment to get you healed. There's already been a payment made, and you'll never pay more than that. Your reading of Scripture is not a payment to get wisdom and a solution. There's already been a payment made. You'll never pay more than that. I I read Scripture. I give faith. I obey and I listen because I love God, because the love of Christ compels me, not because I'm trying to make a payment. And when we abide, we're not going into an abiding trying to make a payment. We're saying, Lord, I love you. And you may be at the place where you're sitting there and you're saying, listen, I don't know about giving to God right now. I just need his help. I'm in a jam and I need help. God's got a solution for that too. He just says, come to me, do it my way, and I'll make it easy and light. So even when you don't have any of that stuff worked out, you don't know what to do, you don't know if you're coming or going, what's the answer? Come to him and abide. Hello, governor. Abide, listen, and obey. Could it be that simple? It is that simple. Abide, listen, and obey, and you'll have what you need today. And you'll have what you need tomorrow as well if you continue in that simplicity. It all starts with abiding with him. And that starts with, it doesn't just start with your head knowing that, it starts with your heart receiving that. I want you to just bow your heads right now. That abiding with him, truly, truly abiding with him, 
It starts with a relationship and a fellowship with God through Jesus. He's the only door, and we walk through that. We abide with him. We abide with him through Jesus. Today, I want to call for every person in here. I don't care if you've been going to church all your life, but I want to ask every person in here to make a new commitment to Jesus today. Today, Lord, I want to step into abiding with you on a level like it's supposed to be. I may have been there before. I may be there right now. Lord, let it continue. I may have missed a step. The devil may have thrown a monkey wrench in the plans and destiny of my life. But Lord, I know you got something to do about that. I know, Lord, as I give you me, all of those things solve themselves. As I abide and listen and obey, your power can be released for the things you've already paid for. The manifestation can happen, healing in, our, in my body, wholeness in my finances, peace in my mind. Yeah, just right now, Lord, bring peace in the name of Jesus. Bring peace. Bring a joy and a peace that passes understanding. There's a peace that's needed. Like, I don't even understand why I have peace. Doesn't make sense. There's too many things going wrong. But yet, in God, there's a peace that you can have even when things don't make sense. You know, when he says, bring a peace that passes understanding, that means that you still don't have it figured out how it's going to work. You still don't have the solution. But yet, while it doesn't make sense, I just know it's going to be okay. That's the peace that passes understanding. So people, many times, they're logically trying to figure it all out before they actually move into faith. No, you move into faith, and that's how you'll figure it all out. Lord, we're putting faith in you today. I just ask you today, make that relationship with God fresh and new and whole right now today. I ask every person in here, Jesus gave his life for you. Not when you had it all together. When you had it all messed up. When you had it all messed up. When you didn't have it right. And even if you know Christ, but you... Like, Lord, I can tell when he was preaching on abiding, there's maybe another level of abiding that I can, I can grab a hold of. Well, if you want that today, the way to end is through Jesus. I want you to pray this with me. Just say this out loud with your mouth. Don't pray it in, in your heart. He says, say it out loud. Just say, Jesus, today you are the Lord of my life. Everything you tell me to do, I'll do. You're the director. You called the shots. And because you're so good, everything you tell me to do will increase me. I trust you. I believe in you. And I believe that God brought you back to life and raised you up from the dead. And when He raised you up, 
we were in you showing that everything that could hold me down was broken forever or I couldn't have been raised up with you but Ephesians says that I'm raised up with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places now listen to this part confess it with me say Lord I receive the breaking of every tie that's tried to hold me down I receive the breaking of every weapon that has been formed against me in the name of Jesus it shall not prosper but the life of God will prosper in me in every area of my life Jesus you're my Lord I'm raised to life with you I'll ask this Jesus I ask you baptize me with the Holy Ghost and fire so that I can live like you empowered by you and your witness in Jesus name